All right, so we're in the last uh, one on me and my big mouth. And this morning we're going to talk about the power of, tongue, of the tongue to bless. Last week we talked about the power of the tongue to curse. This week we're going to talk about the power of the tongue to bless. So let's pray this morning together and uh, seek the Lord on that. Father, as we come, it's a phenomenal thing to address you as Father and to talk to you and to ask for your help. And we all know uh, how to use our tongue wrong and we all know how we've sinned against you. It doesn't take too long for the guilt meter to jump up pretty quick on that. But Lord, we also have seen incredible illustrations in our life of how the tongue can bless. We've been blessed by others. We have had great teachers. We have had people who have impacted us and mentors uh, who have discipled us. And and we know that uh, there are things from years ago that you used through somebody's mouth that we still hang on to today. And so, Lord, may we never forget that process never ends. It's ongoing and that we're all part of that now. And so may you highlight this morning something uh, for each of us as we go through this message and uh, recall maybe a famous teacher, uh, somebody who uh, mentored and uh, may a spirit of gratefulness erupt among us. And we give that to you in your name. Amen. All right, we'll start with this uh, scripture right here, Psalm 96, and it says this. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. We just got done doing that, right? Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. The whole idea here is that with our tongues, we can actually bless God. You know, Scripture says when we sing to the Lord, like we just did for the last 20 minutes or so, when we do that, um, we bless the heart of God. And Scripture says that God inhabits the praise of His people. So there's something that's really incredible about what happens there. Our tongues can be used in such a way to bless the heart of God. When was the last time you thought of that? Isn't that cool? And so... Uh, we've been looking at that this paradigm or dichotomy of the mouth as we can use it. We said the tongue can bless or it can curse. It can give life or it can give death. And we will eat the fruit of what we, what we sow. Last week we looked at how the tongue can curse. This week we want to look at how the tongue can bless. And uh, so it's, it's an exciting thing. Here's what I want to say. When brought under the power and the coaching of the Holy Spirit, the tongue can be an enormous tool of blessing and encouragement for God and other people. Your tongue is one of the most powerful things that you can give to the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? It, it, it is a small in size, but powerful in effect. With our tongue, we can bless the heart of God. We can bless the heart of other people. We can speak life into people. We can speak hope into people. We can speak faith into people. With my mouth, it says, I will make known thy faithfulness. And so the tongue is capable of enormous and incredible good. And we have to remember that side of the equation too, that God can redeem the tongue. right? We, we know that God can redeem sinners, but we often don't think of it specifically like that. God can redeem the tongue and use it for good. You go farther in Psalm 96, it says this, Ascribe to the Lord. The idea here is to give credit where credit is due. Give honor to whose honor is due. And when it comes to giving honor, it says to use our tongues to ascribe to the Lord, to give credit to the Lord. 
O families of people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. And often you think about this, God will open something up and you see Him in a different way than you saw Him before. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, that's incredible, right? And we get all jacked up. It, it is in seeing His glory that we can ascribe praise to Him. Bring an offering, come into His courts, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness, tremble before Him all the earth. It says we are to honor the Lord with our tongues. We're to proclaim His greatness. We are to worship. It's what we often call worship. I think sometimes we, we forget and, and we start to think that worship is really about us. Uh, I didn't like that song selection. That was too loud. That was too soft. That was too fast. That was too slow. That was too yellow. That was too blue. And, and we come in with, why don't you make the service for me? And we forget about it. There's a whole lot of me's here who are here and the primary goal isn't to bless me, it's to bless him. And, and so it's important to understand that uh, we are to bless the living God and sing his praises. Now, why is that important? That's important because this keeps our focus in the right direction. You ever have a, a, a purpose, a direction, you have a focus, and then all of a sudden you got distracted? Right? Kind of thing. Uh, I was doing that this morning. I was outside running, gassing up the vehicles and getting everything. The garage pan was in the house. And, and I'm coming through the garage with great purpose and couldn't remember why I was coming through the garage. Any of you ever done that? Right? Like, why am I here? Stand around by, oh, that's why. Boom, back on track I go. And when we do this, it keeps us on focus with the Lord. Why does that matter? I want to suggest this is important. The reason that matters is because we become like the God we believe in. You know, if you're a curmudgeon and a crank and an Eeyore, it's probably because you believe God's that way. You probably think that's how He operates. Oh, there they go again. That's my children, stubborn, stiff-necked, stupid people. Right? Just kind of that Eeyore kind of grind sort of thing. You become like the God you believe in. And you have to decide, do you believe that God blesses or God curses? Now, we know He does both. But, When it comes to people, God wants to bless and he blesses with his tongue. And likewise, we need to learn to bless with our tongues because we become like the God we believe in. Not only are we to bless God, but in our speech, but then we're also to bless other people. And to do that, we have to do it in the Holy Spirit. It is so critical to understand, left to your own coaching, your tongue will always sink you. Anybody discovered that yet? Hello? No? That was another church. Okay, but, right? Your tongue will sink you unless it's under the control of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, Paul lays it out this way. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Whenever Scripture talks about wine or alcohol or that kind of stuff, it often lists a bunch of things that it tends to go towards excess. And when it goes towards excess, it it says, Wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. And it, it goes on to talk about getting beat up and it goes on to talk about all these different things. In other words, the fruit of it is difficult. When it goes to talk about the Spirit, it says you can be filled with this Spirit and not have a hangover the next day. All right? And it's saying our tongue needs to be under the control of the Spirit. Speaking, you say, how do I know that? Notice it says speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we doing when we're doing that? We're rehearsing, right? We're repeating. We're um, going over what God is like and not only what he's like, but then what we must be like as we recite these different hymns and psalms and songs that we, we say to them. So here's a basic diagnostic tool that you can use during the week. When you're going through the week, one of the things you can do is monitor your speech and ask yourself this question, was that from the Spirit or was that from the flesh? Remember Galatians 5, the flesh wars against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. They are in opposition or contrary to each other so that you cannot do what you want. And what that's saying is you can monitor your speech and start tracking, did that come from the Spirit or did that come from the flesh? And when you do that, you start to get a handle on um, who's speaking to you. The flesh creates all the feelings and attitudes we talked about last week. The Spirit will create all the feelings and attitudes we're going to talk about this week. As I said before, truth is the language of heaven. Lying is the language of hell. And so speech matters. Words matter. It's very important. Notice the underlying factor in this passage here is gratefulness or thankfulness. You cannot read that without picking up. We should be a grateful people. I often said that the, high, the, the sign of a healthy church is a grateful church or a thankful church. And that often an unhealthy church will be ungrateful or bitter. And so we can also say that gratefulness or thankfulness is the attitude of heaven and that ungratefulness or bitterness is the attitude of hell. And scripture says monitor that. One of the ways you can do that is through your tongue. Now, when we do that, God wants to work from the inside out. He wants to change us from the inside out. The problem we have usually is we want him to work from the outside in. And we'll decide how far in we'll let him. And I simply want to let you know this morning, he will not put up with that kind of foolishness with his people. He is going to work from the inside out to change the heart because he knows he changes the heart, he changes the tongue. And so we have to be willing to let him work on the inside. Take this idea a little further. In Proverbs 23, it says, As a man is in hearts, thinks in his heart, so he is. Now, if you're looking that up in NIV or ESV, you won't find it there. That's KJV. King James Version. As a man thinks in his heart, so is Proverbs 23, 7. And I, want, I pulled this passage with Philippians because it parallels it. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Notice that the habits of the heart as well as the discipline of the tongue must be practiced. What's shocking about this scripture? What's shocking about it is who's saying it? Who's saying it? The Apostle Paul saying it. What is he pointing to? There was a time when Paul was not Paul. Paul was Saul. And Paul did not do any of these things on this list. Paul was proud. Paul was arrogant. Paul was angry. Paul was bitter. And Paul used hate language. And Paul thought he was blessing God by throwing people in hell and probably killing others. 
He was bitter and he suddenly realized, you know what? My whole inside world wasn't right. Until Christ knocked him off his horse or donkey, whichever he was riding. Uh, suddenly a new thing and Paul's saying, hey, you have to be careful what you focus on because you become like what you focus on. There's the great danger of the internet. You spend 16 hours a week on the internet and you spend five minutes in the Word every morning, ask yourself, which one's going to win? Whichever one you feed the most. right? And Paul's saying, lock on these things. These things are important because they make all the difference and they do. In other words, what I do or don't allow my mind to set on makes all the difference in the world. And it is also what I do or don't allow out of my mouth. Past the gate of my lips that sets the course of my life on fire. This is why Psalms 141 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. By the way, notice there's another product uh, of this. The spirit of hell is the spirit of anger and the spirit of heaven is the spirit of peace. So if, if you've got anger inside you're, or you're listening to the wrong voice, you're going to be angry. If you're listening to the right voice, you're going to have peace. We know that, right? Can you see why Jesus warns so severely to make the tree and its fruit good? Don't just make the outside look good. Make the inside look good. I want to just revert to uh, last week's message for just a second because our human tendency uh, is to fake it and uh, is, is to fake a good presence. We would call it uh, keeping up appearances, right? And, and uh, we come to church and we smile. How are you doing? Fine, right? And there's nothing wrong with coming to church and there's nothing wrong with smiling. There is something wrong with fighting all the way to church in the car and then getting out and going, ding, how you doing? Fine, right? Happy, yes, we're doing great, right? There's something wrong with that because then what church becomes is what we call plastic, right? We all fake, how you doing? Fine. And, and we don't get real with each other and, and there's a strong encouragement to stay that. And here's, here's where the rubber meets the road on this one. If we're smiling on the outside, but raging on the inside, the inside's going to win out. Now the point being, the fallout of this will not be in church. The fallout will be in our homes. We will not fail to be the church at church. We will fail to be the church at home. And what goes out the window is the peace of our homes because we don't have the peace of God in our hearts. As a matter of fact, I believe the tone of worship here in Norfolk is not set by the song selection or um, you know, who comes to a, which services or anything like that at all, but rather I think the, the tone of the service is set by how we talk to each other or about each other in our homes Monday through Saturday. Friedrich Bruckner uh, had this thought crystallized and he lays out, it's an incredible quote. He says this, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. I use this quote at men's retreats. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back in many ways is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that who you are wolfing down is yourself. 
and the skeleton at the feast is you. If during the week we ravage and pillage each other with our tongues, it is highly unlikely that a group of skeletons will be able to produce an acceptable spirit of worship to the Father on Sunday morning. We will be quite literally, as Buchner lays it out in this quote, the skeletons at the feast. We'll worship, but we won't have his peace. And maybe that's why repentance is always so strongly urged to be engaged in before we come and show up for worship. Get our focus back. Get our focus right. Now, it's not an easy battle. Agree with that. But we must be reminded that it's well worth the effort. Why is it worth the effort? Well, because for all the bad that's possible for the tongue to do, it is also true that the tongue can be used for enormous good. It can bless in incredible ways. It can quite literally change the course of someone's life And more than that, it can change the course of someone's eternity. How can our tongue bless? 2 Timothy, these verses right here, you know them. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. First, notice that God's tongue has blessed us. Look in this Verse up here, all scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, the word is spoken, it is breathed. In other words, it's God's word or tongue to us. It's his native language, so to speak. And it is profitable. Another way to say that, it would be beneficial. Or it's a blessing to us, a great help. So what are some ways that the tongue can bless? Now, I'm leaving off this list probably the most important way that our tongues can bless, and that is through prayer. I, I know we need to talk about that. I've talked about it quite a bit, and so I'm not going to go through that a lot. But with prayer, I talk to the divine. Have you ever thought about the incredible privilege that you are allowed to talk with your tongue to God? Which is why I think Satan goes after that so hard. You don't do it right. You're not praying right. You're not using my word. So we don't pray. But prayer is one of the greatest privileges. And what's prayer? Talking to God. With prayer, I talk to God. And with prayer, I bless other people. You ever thought about how you can stand in the gap and bless other people through prayer? Couples, you've heard it before. I've said it a number of times. I'll keep saying it. But the number one way you protect our church The number one way you protect your marriage, the number one way you protect your children is by praying together. It's in praying together that that gets gets lifted up. I hear couples say, well, uh, you know, I've lost hope or the, the love died and that kind of stuff. And you can go back to a point where they quit praying with each other and for each other. Prayer by nature means you have hope. When you are praying together, you are praying for the hope of your marriage. And that's why Satan fights so hard to keep us from praying together. Usually what he says is if you can't do it perfect, you can't do it. That's not true. You can be an absolutely lousy prayer, not know a hoot about how to pray, not know any of the right words, and God will hear your prayer and honor it. This is gospel truth. I'm so sorry it's true, but I came to Christ cursing and swearing. 
When's the last time you heard that as the prayer of salvation? Right? I was a different guy back then. I was freaked out. I didn't know who this God was. I'd grown up in a formal kind of setting. I grew up in a Catholic background. I didn't know how to talk to God personally. God 500 miles away was awesome. Jesus in my grill freaked me out. Right? And I, I was not using proper language to tell God that I wanted to be saved. And yet God interpreted it well and I got saved in a powdered milk factory at three in the morning. What I'm saying is this. Don't listen to Satan's lie about prayer. You can talk to God. He will listen. He under, you know what? When kids come to church, I get down like this. You often see me in the lobby and I'm down like this, right? And I'm talking to a kid. I can speak two-year-old. Did you know that? I have a great time with kids and I speak two-year-old and we're talking away and I was just having a conversation with Ashley last morning. This morning she's telling me how her dad built a fort for her. So, oh, you know, and Kayla and Kinsey, yeah, we used to build forts and we built inside forts and we built outside. Really? Wow, yeah. God can understand your language. Even if you think it's childish, he can interpret it. And so we want to keep praying. By the way, that would be a great thing to do for camp this week. Uh, please pray for the camp. We got all kinds of kids, a bunch of them. have not been in church. It's going to be an exciting week. Pray for Aaron, that God gives him word. Aaron is just crazy fun. And uh, with adults, he kinds of wears yell. But with kids and ADD kids, he's awesome, right? Here we go. Boom! And, and it's a spic- So I'm anticipating the camp of all camps this week. I can't wait. There's few people I admire as much as Aaron Day. So be praying for that and lift it up. But let's go on to some ways that the tongue can bless. What are some ways that the tongue can bless? And I wanted to pull some we don't often think of, or often we think of them as negative, and they really can be uh, positive. So the first one, the way tongues can bless, is through teaching. Proverbs 3 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life. In other words, teaching can produce blessing. And notice it says, the peace that they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Those verses we don't often quote. But the ones right after it we quote all the time, which says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, right? And he will make your path straight. In other words, how do paths get made straight? Through good teaching. Good teachers are invaluable. Teachers teach, right? Teachers teach at school. Teachers teach at Sunday school. Teachers Teach youth, we got youth group leaders teach, small group leaders teach, parents teach, coaches teach, pastors teach. It's going on all the time. It's happening across the board. It just kicks in all over the place. Teaching is enormous and can be an incredible blessing. And what do you have to use if you teach? 90% of the time, it's your tongue, right? You're teaching. The tongue can deeply bless with good teachers. Stop for a minute and think about those who have been great teachers for you. Go back through your catalog and file right now and think of who were one or two really great teachers. Might be a pastor you used to listen to. Might be a a guy online. Might be a a teacher uh, kind of thing. Let me give you an illustration out of my own life. This week I was up signing checks in the office for Diana. And she says, you know what, Steve? For a guy, you have amazingly beautiful penmanship. I said, well, thank you. 
That was a compliment, I think, right? And uh, Diana and I get along. But, and I had to immediately tell her the story of Mrs. Benz. And she goes, well, who's Mrs. Benz? I said, well, Mrs. Benz was my teacher in second grade at Brick School in Sugar Bush, Wisconsin. At Brick School, we had two rooms. We had the little room and we had the big room. Little room had grades one through four. Big room had grades five through eight, right? And so uh, we were in second grade. Second grade consisted of Kathy Cunard, uh, Sandy Davister, uh, Donnie Thace, Bruce Delboy, Greg Wilcox, and me. That was second grade, all right? And at Brick School, Brick Tech, as my uncle called it, my teacher was Mrs. Benz. And when I was in second grade, she looked at me and she says, you know, Steve, you're really good at some things. I want to teach you to write cursive. Well, I didn't even know how to print yet, right? But she says, you have the ability to do this. And so she sat down and started just, here's how you do an S with your name, right? And she started showing me all this stuff. And so I actually learned to write before I learned to print. And... I look at that, and to this day, because uh, what she said is, Steve, your name is important. And she says, if you, don't te- if you don't write your name well, other people won't think much of it either. She says, you need to write your name with honor so that other people hold it with honor. And I've never forgotten that. And so to this day, I write my name the way she taught me in second grade. And here's the thing. And I think back, I called her Mrs. It was actually Miss Benz. Uh, she was single. Uh, she was an overweight lady. She probably wasn't all that successful in other areas of her life, as I look back now from a pastor's perspective 40 years later. But you know what? She was a darn good teacher. And she, she had all four grades, and she kept it all moving and kept all those plates moving at the same time and kept us all interested. And I look back, and I can remember her to this day and remember, wow, am I grateful I had Miss Benz at Brick School in second grade when she taught there. How about you? Can you think to a teacher who you can look back and say, I am so grateful for the influence they had in my life and the things that they taught me. Teaching can really bless. You can bless with your tongue in enormous ways. Another way um, that um, you can uh, bless with your tongue is reproving. Sorry, I lost my spot there. Uh, another word for this is confrontation. Most of us don't like confrontation, right? We avoid it at all costs. Uh, but scripture says, you know what? There's a way you can do that. That is actually a blessing. Uh, usually we get all worked up and uh, we get our adrenaline hit and we shoot off our cannons and let the chips fall where they may kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then, well, too bad I had to say it. And oh, I'm going to go confront somebody. I have to say it, right? And there's a whole nother way that Scripture lays out. Proverbs 24, 26 says this. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft word breaks the bone. Isn't that an incredible phrase? A soft word breaks the bone. The power of a well-timed, well-spoken word can be deadly accurate. Can you think of a time when a friend came to you and told you something that you didn't want to hear, but they said it in a way that you actually thanked them, right? They hit you with the two-by-four and then you thanked them for hitting you with the two-by-four and you're going, how did that work? How did I do that? Well, that's because they use wisdom with it and they use softness with it. And what here is a soft word can be more crushing than a hard word. I'm sure you've had this experience, but you ever had the Holy Spirit come to you and say, hey, 
Just whisper this in your ear. You know, I know nobody else knows. But what you're doing right now is wrong. And it really hurts my heart. For my sake, would you be willing to give that up or let that go? You ever heard the Holy Spirit say that? That's a reproof. But it's a, a reproof in wisdom that, that's being used. Another uh, one really similar to this is the tongue can bless with correction. Now, correction can involve teaching and it can also involve reproving, but it has this element of the way of, here is the way, walk in it. Right? It, it's the idea of getting onto the right path. Do this a different way. Uh, it means to set in a right direction. Usually, now the problem with this is usually most of us either grew up with or we apply ourselves the old school method of how this works. And usually how we approach this is we see somebody doing something, it really irks us and upsets us. And so I, 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 we kind of have the attitude of, I will get you to where you're supposed to be if I have to drag you there kicking and screaming. How well does that work? Right? It doesn't, does it? Uh, some other ways that... Did, I mean, when that happens, what happens? Oh, the, the resistance is fierce, right? Awesome. It's like trying to drag a mule. The old saying was that you can't drag a horse to water reflects this mindset. They just lock in their legs and you can't do it. But a word of wisdom says, oh, yes, you can. All you need to do is salt the oats. If you salt the oats, the horse will go there by himself. You don't have to drag him. And often... We don't have that mindset because we're repeating. You ever said, I will not be like my father? And then coaching your kids, you go, I'm just like my dad or just like my mom. Ah! Scary thing. People are the same way, right? We can't drag them. How well does it work if, if you say, you're so stupid, can't you figure that out? How well does that work? Or only an idiot would have tried to fix it that way. That's a winner, right? Yeah, I feel motivated. You get that done right now or I'll let you have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll move. Or the other version, you get that done and do it the way I said you do it or you will be grounded the rest of your life. That is not good correction. How well did that work on you? Why then would we think that would work any better with our children? We aren't blessing when we do that. We're cursing when we do that. We're just not using dirty words. But we're cursing. And the tongue is intended to bless. Think of this... um, the other way, here's some opposite ways of doing it. Here's ways you can bless. My dad did this one, and it always worked. He said, you know, we've got to get this done, but I'm thinking if you really help me and we get this done, we can go swimming. And we always worked harder. Uh, this is my, my children's all-time favorite. Hey, guys, if you'll help me out, we'll go get a Slurpee. Still works. And t- Kayla's in college. It still works. Really? Okay, I'll help. I mean, that's awesome. Or you look at them and say, hey, what were you trying to, what were you trying to do? What, were you trying to, what was the goal here? And, um, oh, I'm trying to do this, but it's not right. Well, have you ever thought about you could do it this way? Oh, I didn't even know you could do it that way. 
There you're using your tongue for correction, but you're using it with blessing. You're helping them. They've come away uh, energized and charged up with that. The tongue can also bless with training. Think here, really good instructors, really good coaches, really good teachers, really good parents. What do they do? They make it real. They make it exciting. They make it fun. Think through people who have trained you, uh, maybe for a career. Think about people who have trained you maybe in parenting. Think about people who have mentored you. Think about people who have um, taught you to do something you never thought you could do yourself. And you went, I never would have dreamed I could have done that. Right? And yet you did that. Uh, the, the training part is enormous. And, um, or sometimes you ever watch somebody and say, hey, how, how, how did you do that? Could, could you teach me how to do that? And I go, yeah, come on, sit down with me. And do, do, do. Just this morning, Kayla said to me, hey, Dad, I don't know what inspired her, but she comes into my, all four of them came tromping in my office, and uh, Kayla picks up the banjo and says, hey, Dad, can you teach me the banjo? And I said, yes, not right now. And she says, okay, cool. And then she immediately went to Google and got banjo lessons, and here's this guy playing Cripple Creek, and she goes, oh, I think I can do that. She's starting to, right? Training. People can train, and it's a wonderful feeling. You, you get out of the stuck place when you get trained well. There is great satisfaction in being a wise trainer. And again, if, if you've ever had a great trainer, or coach, or instructor, just think about who that was in your world right now. You come away really, really blessed. It was an honor to know them. You were honored to be called their friend or their, their student. Because you knew you got their very best. And you knew when they got done, you were ready for the task at hand. Paul was a phenomenal trainer for churches. And they knew they had gotten the best when they got Paul. The tongue can also bless by edifying. The word edifying literally means to bless. It, it means to build up, to encourage, to build in value in a person. Uh, I was giving this message one time at uh, Lake Retreat about we should edify each other, right? And there was these two boys, they're sitting kind of where Misty and, and uh, Mitsu are sitting right there, and, and they're kind of, and they were talking, right? So I came over here and I stopped and I looked at them, and one kid looked at the other kid, yeah, edify, stupid, poof, right? <laughs> kind of missed the point of what I was trying to say. That's often what we do, right? We, we, we try to edify, but sometimes we do it backwards. Uh, but it's the spirit of you can make it. Right? You can, you can make it. You're really important to the team. We're going to go through a lot of this this week. We're all going to be on teams, right? Right, Emma? Right, Emily? We're going to all be on teams, right? And we're going to say, hey, it's really important. You're on the team. We're the black team. We're the white team. And we pull together as a team. We value you. We want you on our team. That is some of the most encouraging words that you ever hear. That was really well done. You ever have somebody tell you that? Whoa! Yeah, thank you. Uh, the, the, in Mike Rohrbach language, it's awesome, right? Mike is one of the most encouraging, edifying people I've ever run into in my life. Everything is awesome. Everybody's important. And when people walk into camp, he just goes, oh, you're back. And he remembers their name. And oh, look how big you've gotten. That's awesome. Or he says, throw the ball. Okay, throw it again. That is awesome, right? And uh, he even, I feel, I'm a fairly up person but he even encourages me and edifies me in that. Uh, this year, I, I, I would admit, the first night of camp, I was kind of discouraged because it was a smaller number of kids. And I was like, wow, where'd all the kids go? And you know, we had uh, walked through the apartments and stuff and not a lot showed up. 
And I was uh, just kind of going, man, I wish there were more kids. And Mike said, you know what, Steve? He says, I have learned something a long time ago. He said, I always leave the nickels and the noses to Jesus. And what he meant by the numbers and the money, he said, I don't worry about that anymore. I, I get it. He says, you know why this is going to be awesome? Because this is God's camp. And because God's in the camp, it's going to be an awesome camp. And then he just walked off, right? Smiling away, talking to kids again. And sure enough, the camp turned around. And by the time we got done, I would say it's one of the better camps we ever experienced uh, with Run to Win. And it infiltrates down to his team. He had one of the best coaching teams this year that we've ever had at the camp. They were like liquid with the kids. And they were into it and they were working it. And it was just a thrill to watch. Edification. We can bless other people by edifying them, by building them up, by, by encouraging them. Then there's the big three. Those aren't ones we normally talk to, but these three we talk about a lot. Faith, hope, and love. Right? You know that passage was up on the screen earlier. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13. Our loves can encourage faith in ourselves and in others. We can strengthen those who are weak in faith. You ever sat down and listened to somebody and they're like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You can make it. Really? Yeah, I've been through tough stuff like that. Let me tell you a story. Well, I guess if you can make it, I can make it. We can encourage each other's faith. We can strengthen those who are, are weak in faith. We can encourage others, ourselves, to keep going. By the way, I think that's a big part of why church, you know, everybody's saying these days, church doesn't matter, church is not important, that kind of stuff. How do you encourage someone else's faith if you're by yourself? A large reason why we get together is so that we can be encouraged by seeing each other, encouraging each other, what? In our faith. In our faith in the Lord Jesus. So the tongue can bless and speak encouragement uh, towards faith. Likewise, the tongue can kindle and encourage hope. You ever run out of hope? You ever went, oh, I, well, done. And going to, uh, out of gas, right? And someone comes along and says, no, no, no. Come on, you can make it. I always say, hey, God didn't bring us this far to kill us, right? What am I saying? I'm encouraging hope. Yeah, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know we have some hard things that's not all going perfect. You know what, though? We'll make it because God's in it with us and we can make it. We have not been left alone. What am I doing when I say that? I'm encouraging hope. Keep hoping in God. Keep hoping in Him. Jesus said, a bruised reed He will not break and a smoldering wick he will not put out. He doesn't look at you. You're running out of hope and go, yeah, well, done with that one. Hey? He doesn't do that. Isn't that awesome? What does he do to a bruised reed or a smoldering wick? He strengthens the bruised reed. He fans back into flame the smoldering wick. He breathes hope back into our life. And our tongues can do the same thing. We can help people with hope. What's one of the greatest uh, hope builders in the universe? Prayer. Right? Isn't it amazing as you start to pray, you start to have hope? Our tongues can recite and rehearse God's promises and so remind us of our hope in Him. What's so great about reading through the Bible in a year? What's great, it doesn't matter what form you do it in, where a number of us are doing it in four different forms. By the way, August... You may have dropped it. Pick it back up. Here you go. You got vacation time. You, you can get caught up. 
But what do we primarily do? We primarily go through the Word and are reminded of the promises of God. And the promises of God is God speaking hope to us. I have not left you. I will not forsake you. I am with you. One of the most um, powerful hope builders in the world, one of the most powerful sayings is, may I pray for you. Uh, even with non-believers, I've run into non-believers in, in really tough circumstances that I've listened and said, hey, could I just pray with you? And they will say yes. And when you start to pray and you say, Lord, you know, I don't really know this person. I don't know their circumstances very well. But they've just shared something that's devastating. And it's just taken the wheels off of the car of their life. It's upside down. They don't know what to do. And I can't fix it. But Lord, would you extend to them a greater grace? Would you close the gap with them and let them know you haven't forgotten them? And invariably, you get done praying like that and you just see tears streaming, right? Down people's faces because they're like, you would pray for me? What does that do? Produces hope. There may be a way through this situation. Lastly, our tongues can promote love. This is the biggest one. It's the greatest one. God's love for people uh, as well as our love for people. The most important words in the English language are, I love you. I love you. Think about the power of those three words. Why can we bless others? Because we ourselves have been blessed by God. God has said to us, I love you. Most of us have a hard time dealing with that. We go, well, we kind of have this format in our mind that yes, that's true because God has to love me because that's what a God would do. A God has to love, so he loves me out of obligation, but... He wouldn't love me if he didn't have to love me and really he doesn't like me, so I'm hanging by a thread. That is not what Scripture says at all. He says, I love you. I found you. I sought you. I looked for you. And not only that, when I found you, yes, you were a dirty, filthy mess. Read Ezekiel. He said, I found you wallowing in your blood and I picked you up and I washed you and I cleansed you. What does he say? I adopted you. That's how important you were to me. I love you. Get that. You can go through what you're going through. You can go through what I'm asking you to. Why? Because I love you. And I'm for you. We can say I love you to God. We can say I love you to families, to others. We can speak that blessing into others because it's been spoken into us. And God didn't just tell us he loved us. God showed us he loved us. Jesus came, died on the cross for the sins of the world. Translate that, our sins. Translate that, your sins, my sins. You thought about the fact that God anticipated your life 2,000 years before you showed up? That he had that mapped out and he knew he'd be looking for you? Think about that once. It's a stunning concept and it blows your mind away about what it means to love. He out-anticipated you. Some of us think we're pretty clever and pretty smart. I got news for you. He out-anticipated you. And he out-anticipated you with his love. It says that he took our sins. I want to suggest this morning the most defining act of love the world has or ever will see is Jesus' death on the cross. Even the world who hates God can't get over it. If you watch Hollywood movies, they cannot get away from imageries of a cross or a Savior. It shows up in almost every movie. 
And if you watch movies and you start thinking back, you go, yeah, that's true. There's always some sort of crucifixion symbol or some sort of uh, salvation um, thing going through. Why? Because it was the most defining act of love that the world has ever seen. How can our tongues bless? Well, they can bless by saying what is revealed in our heart. Think of how your tongue has blessed your own life. When you said these words, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. How can I bless with myself with my mouth? I can call on the Lord Jesus and ask him to forgive my sins. Think of how your tongue has blessed you when you did that. Think about the course change in direction that that created when with your tongue you asked Jesus to forgive your sins. I can be blessed with my mouth by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus to save me. And by the way, if you've never done that, that's one of the greatest uses of your tongue is to say, God, I need your help. I know I'm a sinner. I know I do things wrong. I know I won't measure up. I know I'm shot when it comes to the judgment eternity. I need you to forgive my sins. Would you come and save me? Think of the blessing loaded in those words. It's the most incredible blessing uh, in the universe. How can I bless others? Well, I can bless them by telling how Jesus died for them. You know, we, we get this all wrapped up as witnessing is this terrible obligation and weight that we're saddled with and we try to sidestep and hope we never get caught in the bullseye so that it doesn't have to happen to us. That's from the devil. We're missing one of the greatest blessings in the world. Our prayer should be, God, I need to lead somebody to you this week because when you're at that park bench or you're in your car or you're at a coffee place sitting across the table and you share Jesus Christ with someone else and you see the kingdom of God come alive in that person and they say, seriously, really? Yeah. Could we do that? What? That. Pray. Now? Here? Yeah. I get sure. Okay. Do you want to? Well, I don't want to manipulate. No, no. I want to pray. How do I do it? Well, I'll lead you. You follow. And, and they do it and you look up and they're, they're going, thank you so much. And then later you start to realize, wow, this is spectacular stuff. Now I better learn because now I, I'm the mentor. I've got somebody following me. I've got I've to bless their life with what God has taught me. You learn a whole lot more that way. You know, when we do that, we don't just bless lives. We don't just um, alter lives. When we do that, we alter eternity. Our tongues can cooperate with God in such a way that we can literally alter the course of eternity. Think about that. Wouldn't that make sense to submit our tongues to His Lordship? Let's pray. Father, we've been talking this morning about how to bless with our tongues and I've been trying to paint a picture of what could be... Yes, our tongues can go wrong and Lord, none of us have to trip very far before we're on the guilt meter out of 10. We know how it can go bad. But Lord, it can also be phenomenally good. Our tongues can bless in an incredible way. And Lord, we want to think about that with you, how to do that how that could happen. And Lord, we want you to be blessed by the way we talk to you and to each other. Would you help us with that? Help us to see it your way. Help us to see it from your perspective. And we ask that in your name. Amen.